Dr. Isaac, dial zero. The Brent Community Healthcare System presents Hospital Insider, the podcast. Your host is Gary Chalk, the retired director of public affairs for the Brandt Community Healthcare System, a newspaper columnist, and former radio broadcaster. The podcast features conversations with members of the medical staff, the caregivers, volunteers, the leadership team, and donors of the Brantford General Hospital and the Willett Hospital in Paris. Listening to Hospital Insider, the podcast, will inform and educate you about hospital care. So please share this podcast with your family and friends and encourage them to subscribe as well. Remember, if it has to do with hospital care in Brantford, Paris, and throughout Brant County, we will talk about it on Hospital Insider, the podcast. Welcome, everyone. This is episode number 17 of Hospital Insider, the podcast. And as we have done for many, many weeks now, four months, in fact, my guests, who you will be hearing from soon, also Brandon, our producer, and myself, we're all self-distancing, and we're calling in by phone as opposed to gathering in the recording studio. A couple of weeks ago, our community lost a pillar. George Campbell was 93 years old. He passed away at the Brantford General Hospital, where he is being cared for in the palliative care unit. To launch our conversation today, I'd like to read just a brief excerpt from the Hospital Insider newspaper column that I wrote for the Brantford Expositor. George Campbell was not a physician, but he had the largest practice in town. He cared for every citizen. George's practice began in 1973 when he was appointed to the Board of Directors of the Brantford General Hospital. And for the next 47 years, George made sure patients were in the best hospital facilities with state-of-the-art equipment. George Campbell was not a surgeon, a radiologist, nor an obstetrician. His specialty was fundraising. Over the years, George Campbell, along with many others, spearheaded successful campaigns, raising more than $40 million for the Brantford General Hospital. Joining me today to talk about George Campbell and the incredible legacy that he leaves for everyone throughout Brantford and Brant County are Crawford Reed. And Crawford, similar to George, is a retired businessman and often was the go-to person who George turned to to assist raising money. Crawford, how are you today? Just fine, thank you, Gary, just fine. Glad you joined us. Paul Moore also knew and worked with George for many years. Today, Paul is a principal with Asante Wealth Management and served on the hospital board for many years, including chair. Paul, how are you today? Very well. Thank you, Gary. Thanks for joining in. And our third guest, no stranger to the podcast, Carrie Wilson, the executive director of the Brand Community Healthcare System Foundation. That's the fundraising arm of the hospital for both the, the BGH and the Willett. And as I say, no stranger to the podcast. Welcome back, Carrie. Thank you very much, Gary. Crawford, you knew George longer than the rest of us, probably at least 60 years. You share many similarities. You were both born, you and George, at the BGH. You both went into business on your own. Ironically, back in 1995, both of you sold your businesses at the, the same time. And you and George were also involved in many of the same community organizations. I think, Crawford, when we were speaking a while back, you said your first interaction with George was in the days that you were both involved in the Brantford GCs? Yes, that would, that would be the beginning of it, although there, there might have been some Chamber of Commerce stuff that I forgot about, that I've long since forgotten about, but the GCs was our first active involvement together. And was it JC's where you and George went door to door selling light bulbs? Well, we did all kinds of stuff to <laughs> to raise money. JC's uh, 
we sold cars on the street. I seem to remember and 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 everything to find money. And you did well at it. Then you you also were involved with George for many years at the uh, with the Brantford uh, Rotary Club. Yes, and I and I we both came into the Rotary Club about the same time, and and enjoyed our our relationship there. And oddly enough, both resigned from Rotary about the same time, and uh, spent the last few years enjoying each other's company at Provis. So you certainly had a long relationship. Paul, you're you're young enough to be George's son. You first met when you were in high school playing football. George was a referee, correct? That's right. I, I remember uh, George Campbell refereeing high school football games. You were playing with St. John's, and those games, I think, were on Friday afternoons. And, uh, I, you know, and I, I'd forgotten about that. I can remember seeing George in the pinstripes out on the field there. After university, you came back to... Uh, to Brantford. You worked for a company that George was on the board. Uh, you worked uh, together in, in Rotary, and you, you enjoyed a long professional relationship with George. You, you knew him very well, didn't you? Yeah, that's correct, Gary. Um, I, uh, I worked with, uh, with George uh, when I was in industry, and, uh, and then also, as Crawford um, mentioned, uh, I was in Rotary and uh, you know, uh, sold tickets and, and worked um, worked with uh, George there, uh, you know, got to know him and others very, very well. And then uh, George also was a client of mine, and we had a great, great relationship, um, uh, you know, throughout uh, throughout the years. Kerry, you're the youngest amongst us. Your introduction to George Campbell came with your arrival to Brantford General Hospital and the foundation. You worked with George on many, many projects in the foundation, I assume? I did. Uh, I, I met George when I joined the at the time, as you know, Gary, working in, in public affairs at the time uh, for the hospital, and we worked very closely with the foundation, and that was around 1998, and George had just finished being the chair of the, the hospital foundation board of directors, and uh, it was around 1999 that uh, we started working with the dynamic duo of uh, both George and Crawford for the Caring for Health campaign, and uh, George continued to work with our foundation really through to present day, um, and was just a, a true force of philanthropy in our organization. Let's go back to 1998. Uh, Carrie has alluded to the uh, to the Caring for Health campaign. At that time, the Brantford General Hospital was set to launch the the largest expansion in its in its history to build a seven-story tower, a five-level parking garage, redevelop virtually every other aspect of the hospital. The cost was estimated at $80 million. And remember, this is over 20 years ago, and the hospital launched a fundraising campaign. It was called Caring for Health. Crawford, you received a call from George uh, to, to, to come and serve, serve on the committee. Do you remember the call and what George asked of you? Well, well George said it was a call, but I... I don't quite remember it that way. I got invited for lunch with George and Rick Woodcock and David Neal at uh, the schoolhouse one day, and I was completely out of the hospital by that time, and I thought, I wonder what these guys are up to. And when we sat down, they said, well, we're going to build a new hospital, and we need a chairman to work with George. And I remember saying, how much do you want? And they said, we need $11 million. And I said, I guess we could do that. And that that amount of money had never been raised in Brantford ever before. Was that probably the largest 
but but also as it turned out, and we'll talk about it later, the shortest fundraising campaign you've ever been a part of, Crawford. Oh, absolutely. No, it was. It was. It was certainly the largest thing. I've ever been involved. Paul, uh, you were asked to be on the Caring for Health campaign. Uh, you, you couldn't say no to George. Um, how much experience had you had in fundraising when George um, asked you to come on this big project? Well, to be, to be honest, uh, Gary, not much at all. And, and in fact, uh, I learned a lot uh, through George and others and and uh, how to uh, fundraise, how to approach people, and uh, it was uh, it was a very good experience. Was it difficult when you're just starting out to 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 ask someone for money? Absolutely, <laughs> it's never easy asking for money to be quite honest. But uh, no, it, it's it's good. It, it's it's um, uh, it, it makes you aware uh, of uh, of a cause like the hospital um, and uh, and helps you get out and talk to others and, and promote that cause and, and 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 the feedback you get from people is very very good. And I think this community was wonderful in terms of how they reached out to support the hospital. Certainly were, as uh, Crawford indicated, the $11 million goal was uh, reached in 11 months, which was just, just remarkable. Carrie, you were, were part of it. What, what do you recall about that campaign? Uh, I think for me, uh, again, Gary, as you mentioned, it was, it was 20 years ago. So when we're talking about $11 million, we have to put that in some, some context of today's dollars. And I remember uh, being relatively new in my career and completely humbled and in awe of the fact that George would walk into the office with a $100,000 check in hand because he had just gone to, to meet with the president of a company who happened to be a relationship that he had. And I remember that was really my first introduction to fundraising. And it introduced me to the concept, which is the concept in fundraising that holds true today, that people give to people. And it's those relationships that individuals hold in our community that help to foster strong reputations and, and strong giving to any organization, in this case, the hospital. And uh, it's something that holds true to today, um, that the relationships and reputation of the individuals that you have involved with your organization really helps to build the strength of your fundraising campaigns. And let's just take a brief minute here, Carrie. We, we've talked about this in the past. But let's talk about why hospitals need to fundraise. Many people don't understand how hospitals are funded. Certainly, it's uh, it's probably the number one uh, misunderstood question that we have uh, each and every day, and it really is the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care funds operating uh, dollars for hospitals and healthcare in our communities. Um, hospital foundations are not new. Uh, they have been around, in our case, at, at the Brantford General since the 70s, um, at the Willett since the 80s, and even before that in some other communities. And hospital foundations are, are essential to our healthcare system to fundraise for patient equipment and for capital redevelopment. So when redevelopment projects, like we spoke about in the Caring for Health campaign, which was the D-Wing expansion, when capital redevelopment projects take place, in today's context, it's the expansion of our emergency department, 10% of the bricks and mortar for any project is required to come from what's called local share, and those are donor dollars in our community. In addition to that 10%, all furnishings, 
fixtures, and patient equipment is required to come from fundraising dollars. So when you put those all together with the cost of construction and, uh, and patient equipment, which is quite costly, those costs can, can rise and uh, can become quite significant. And we wouldn't be able to do it without the generosity of our communities, and we wouldn't be able to have the services that we require to treat our patients. And we wouldn't have been able to do it without the leadership and the uh, the expertise and the, the volunteerism of George Campbell and the, the some $40 million that he raised. We're listening to Hospital Insider, the podcast. Our conversation will continue shortly. If you aren't feeling well and you know it's not an emergency, consider going to the Urgent Care Center at the Willett Hospital in Paris, a member of the Brant Community Health Care System. Perhaps you twisted your back playing with your grandkids, or you've had a bad cough for a few days and now your ears ache, or what's that rash on your child's stomach? If it is not an emergency, consider going to the Willett Urgent Care Center. You will be treated by compassionate physicians and nurses trained to deliver rapid, expert care. And with x-rays and blood work provided right on site, the Willett Urgent Care Center is one-stop care. The Willett Urgent Care Center, open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. weekdays, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. weekends. For the approximate wait time, you can check online at bchsys.org. The Willett Urgent Care Center in Paris, when it's not an emergency, can be just what the doctor ordered. Welcome back to Hospital Insider, the podcast. This is Gary Trock. The guests are Crawford Reed, Paul Moore, Carrie Wilson, and we're reminiscing about George Campbell, who was truly a health care hero in our community. Crawford, during the break, you said you had a good story you wanted to, re- to relate. Yeah, and I'm not, even, I'm not sure if even you know this one, Gary, because I haven't thought about it for a long time, but George, at one point on the board, maybe he was chair of the board, um, had hired a young guy, to come in as our finance guy at the hospital. And he came to me and said, you know, we need a new CEO. And I think I'd rather like to see this guy, Rick Woodcock, get the job. And George and Bill Deuce and I got together and made that happen. And that was the beginning of the long service by Rick Woodcock in managing our hospital. Yes, Rick was uh, president and CEO for 33 years, I believe, of the 37 he was there. I spoke with uh, Rick uh, shortly after George passed, and uh, Rick uh, Rick was quite shook up. He, he knew George well, and certainly the contributions that uh, he had made both on the board and to the uh, the foundation. Crawford, you once told me that as part of fundraising and all the things that you did with Crawford, you never went out together to see a potential donor. Only once, I think. But George sort of did his own thing. I was kind of the, the front guy and had the public meetings and everything. In the meantime, George was just hustling along, bringing in money, as Carrie said. Uh, but what, we made one call together, and that was the Westcast, mm-hmm. where we picked up a substantial donation. But no, we never we never went out together. Uh, he just did his thing and, and uh, brought the money in. He was quiet about it, and you also said that George wasn't a hot shot. No, he wasn't. He wasn't you know, like the guy had no ego whatsoever, and uh, he just went along and did his thing. And we also, I think you maybe touched on this that during a period when we weren't involved with the hospital, we raised a bunch of money for. Uh, the Cancer Center in Hamilton. 
Yes. And and did that and with great success and support in Brantford. And that was the beginning of uh, the cancer clinic at Brantford General. Paul, several years ago, I remember uh, George invited me to a Blue Jays game one night. And the next day, my wife asked me about the game, and I, I had to stop because I couldn't remember much about the actual game. What I remembered was George and I sitting there with a beer just talking. And and I know, Paul, that you've, you've talked about going fishing with George. And what was it like being with, with this man, who was old enough to be your father, as we said? <laughs> uh, well, George was always uh, fun to be around. And uh, uh, as Crawford alluded to, uh, George knew everybody in Brantford. Um, he, uh, he was so well-connected, and it was just fun to talk to him. Uh, the wisdom that he had... And, uh, you know, he would talk to you like you were important. Uh, you know, as Crawford mentioned, uh, there's no ego there. Uh, you could talk to him for hours at a time. And I know, you know many nights uh, we, we stayed up till the wee hours in the morning just chatting about, uh, about things about Brantford and, uh, you know, just enjoyed his company, uh, his wisdom, his guidance. Um, just uh, there's nothing that... Uh, um, you know, you couldn't talk to George about. Paul, you once said that he was a man of, of great character. Yes, very, very great character. Um, just in terms of the dealings that I had with him in, in various aspects, um, you know, George, uh, his character, his ethics, um, you know, his values, they, they all stood out. Never, ever did I hear George say uh, anything disparaging about anything or anybody. Kerry, in your position leading the foundation for the Brantford General and the Willet, you have to sort of be the, the department that uh, segues between hospital and community. And were there ever, any, uh, what was George's, what was his understanding? Because I'm sure the, the, the politics and various governments and things of this nature must have made him scratch his head sometime, but, but he went out and did the job and brought in the money. Absolutely, Gary. I was recently speaking to, to another colleague who also had the opportunity to, to work with George, and uh, we were both sharing stories about him when we heard about his passing. And, and I think the thing, the piece of George's character that resonates the most with me is that he, he never seemed phased, even by difficult and challenging news. Um, he, he always just said, okay, well, those are the facts, and let's move on, and how are we going to handle this? And so he was, he was that quiet, steady, unassuming, humble, constant leadership that I think, uh, I think we wish we always had in our, in our organizations. And uh, he really just helped to keep everyone on track. And as Paul said, um, he spoke to everyone with the same level of respect and kindness. And so I think that that really um, helped to build those relationships in our community. If he came into our foundation office, he treated every individual in our foundation equally and took the time to learn about what we were doing and offer advice in every single role in our foundation and always had sound and sage advice for us as well. How difficult, Carrie, it is, is it to replace George in the foundation? Uh, tremendously difficult. Um, as I said, uh, George continued to participate with us in, in what we call, and, and Crawford's also involved with us still with, with what we refer to as the Hospital Ambassador Committee, and that's a, a group of individuals who, are, who have been well-invested and continue to be well-invested in our healthcare system. Um, 
the likes of George and Crawford are are really, really difficult to to replace. And, and I don't even want to use that word, just carry on that legacy, if you will, um, because I just simply don't think that uh, George will be replaced. Um, I think that we have individuals in our community that um, are, are still very well involved, and we're very fortunate to have uh, volunteerism to our foundation. But uh, for someone like George, uh, philanthropy wasn't just a volunteer position. It was part of his lifestyle. Uh, and say, he, I'm sorry, go ahead. It, it was part of his lifestyle that he really intertwined every facet of his life. So if he was going out in the community at a probus meeting, he was just as likely to have a conversation about supporting the hospital uh, as, as he would if he was sitting around a boardroom table. George uh, was an interesting person in that it wasn't just raising money for the Brantford General, but Crawford, tell me about the, the story when George invited you and a couple others on a car trip to Toronto to look at a boys and girls club. Yes, this was the very beginning of what became the boys and girls club in Brantford. He got uh, Herb Butcher, myself, and Bill Williams, and we went to Toronto. And how long ago was that? 1970 or something like that. Uh, and we went down and looked at, at boys clubs in, in Toronto, figured out how it operated, and came back. And George was very, and, and Herb was very instrumental in uh, getting the thing going here in town, down on Charlotte Street, I think, was the first yes. boys club. And also, I think George was on their board right through until his passing, was he not? Yes, he was, right until the end. And I talked to one of his fellow board members the other day, and George had agreed to pick up the cost of a luncheon for staff and they were calling him to sort that out, and he wasn't answering the phone. Mm. That's because he was in the hospital. If I can be quick, a, a, a story about one of my last involvements with George. Provis has a little car rally every year, and George and I went together on it about a year ago, and I spent almost the day with him going down to Long Point and back. And what a delightful experience that was, again, I had two hours of Brantford history, uh, just a, a delightful way to, to wrap up our relationship. You mentioned about Brantford history. Maybe this is a good way to segue into uh, as we wrap things up on the, on the podcast here. I came across an article from the Brant Museum Archives. It was an interview with George in 1980, and they were talking about his business, which we haven't mentioned at this point, which was Brant Dairy. And George's father was a dairy farmer, and he started the dairy in 1921. And imagine this, the population of Brantford was 35,000. There were 20 dairies in the city. And in the early 1960s, George and his brother Bill, they purchased the dairy from their father. And by 1980, they'd increased the processing from what was 55,000 quarts of milk a month to over 650,000. And they were they had a lot of branding of various other dairy products from yogurts to eggs to juices, things of that nature. Uh, through George's leadership, they changed over from milk bottles to pure packed containers. Only the secondary in the, the secondary in the, the uh, province to do so. And in 1980, when this story was written, they had 42 employees. Each employee had four weeks of vacation a year, and they had profit sharing. 
And George was quoted in the story. He said, we have no president. I am the vice president. My brother Don is the secretary treasurer. After all, we're all in this together, the Campbells and the employees and the community. Crawford George was quite innovative, wasn't he? He certainly was, but that that caring about the people came out right through in terms of our discussions about Brantford General Hospital. He really understood that the people needed to be looked after. And he did he did well. Paul, I'm assuming George was perhaps a mentor for you. He was very much so. Um, you know, I always enjoyed listening to him. Uh, I learned from him. When I was on the board, um, I always uh, looked for Gord or for George for uh, for guidance, and uh, he was he was always there. And even even after I left the board, and I would uh, sit down and talk with uh, George, we'd um, we'd often end up talking about the hospital. And uh, so um, he was he was just a wonderful man. And what you just read from the paper is a real testament to his character. Kerry Lee, the foundation will will miss George, but things that he has done will live on forever, and and you people will soldier on, and, and I'm sure that uh, you you and your staff will uh, will will often reflect back on the good times with George Campbell. Absolutely, it's uh, as I as I said before, it's a legacy that uh, we certainly it will carry on, and uh, our staff are committed to continuing to pay tribute to and uh, and work in honor of those who have gone before us and make sure that we're doing everything we can to um, invest appropriately in ensuring that our patients are cared for. Thank you, Carrie. Paul Crawford, we thank you for joining as we've been reminiscing on, on George Campbell and everything that he did, that he did for health care in Brantford and Brant County. Truly a uh, health care hero. He will be missed. Crawford and Paul and Carrie, thank you for joining us. A pleasure, Gary. Thank you, Gary. Delighted to be involved. Thank you. If if George could could have listened to our prod, bod, podcast, I'm sure he would have said, oh, I'm not so sure about that. And that's a good place to leave it. Hospital Insider, the podcast, it's available everywhere podcasts are found on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google. If you'd like to get in touch with me, shoot uh, an email over my direction, gchalk at rogers.com podcast continues to grow. We've got listeners from Ontario right across Canada through British Columbia. We're uh, being listened to in 17 of the states, all down the eastern seaboard and through Florida, Texas, Panhandle, up over through Arizona into California, but also through the Caribbean, the Philippines, Singapore. We've got listeners in Australia, New Zealand, Vietnam, England, and many of the countries over through, uh, through Europe. So thanks for joining us and also recommending the podcast to your friends and neighbors. We'll be back in two weeks, another episode of Hospital Insider, the podcast. In the meantime, stay well so you can do good. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Hospital Insider, the podcast, a presentation of the Brandt Community Healthcare System. Hospital Insider, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting forum. Please press subscribe and you will always be up to date with Hospital Insider, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please pass it along to your friends. Encourage them to subscribe as well. It's appreciated. In two weeks, we'll return with a new episode of Hospital Insider, the podcast with Gary Chalk. Thank you for listening. I'm Sandy Bishop.